sort of the innocent new agent, new French agent, and Charlie's being a little bit more, you know, weathered and having a lot more, I guess, experience in the field than she does. And you buy that kind of dynamic they have. And that's oh, one yeah, thing that sexy I, as fuck. You kidding me? There's like 14 yeah. year old boys beating off to this movie left and right. <laughs> I mean, besides <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Hey, El Tato. What's going on? We got a podcast of Buff and the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffandtheblazer.com. Drew over there writes a article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to The Buff and the Blazer, episode 21. I'm Drew, and as always, I'm here with El Tato. Yo. And today, we're talking about a film that I think I've name-dropped a few times on the show, and I know I've talked a lot about to you, El Tato, off-air. Yeah. But today we're discussing Atomic Blonde, directed by David Leach, and I'm super excited to dive into this movie. So let's just get right into it. After you saw it, what were your initial reactions? I was so pumped up, dude. Like, So, so I, I didn't overhype it? It was better Oh, than, cool. than I expected. I expected it to be pretty badass, but I was like so pumped up. My lady came home like right as I was finishing it and it was, it was fairly late at night and I was just like, I stopped the movie when it was done and rated it and was just like, Oh, this movie's awesome. Like you have to watch it. Like running around like a little kid, like a freaking teenager. (laughs) I was so pumped up. I absolutely loved the soundtrack in this movie. I think that like really, really bumped it up for me. Yeah, absolutely. There was like all just 80s David Bowie and Flock of Seagulls and <laughs> George Michael. Yeah. Like it was so good. I absolutely loved how the 80s music was playing for so many of the action scenes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just absolutely pumped up, dude. I, I totally loved it. I watched it twice. This is the first movie we've done that I watched, went back and watched. Woo, okay. I, I had like a 24-hour limit on the rental. I paid like 3.99 to watch it. And yeah. the very next night, uh my lady and I watched it again. So, that's a first. I I liked it so much that I went back and watched it again. Wow, that has to be the highest praise I think you've had for a film on this show. <laughs> yeah, and there's other movies. In your own way. Yeah, there's other movies that I'd like to watch again like Jojo Rabbit and Parasite in 1917 yeah. and Extraction and Sonic. Like, I'll absolutely go watch those again. Yeah. But this movie, I was like, oh, my God, I only have 22 hours to watch it again. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely going to watch it again. That's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, it's no secret. I love this movie. I've watched this f- film, like, 
over 10 times. I it's really? just, It has a, a really nice rewatch quality to it. And I think for me, not only is it entertaining, it's really, really nice to look at. This is probably one of my favorite films in terms of cinematography and in terms of like color choices. Yeah. It's like watching, it's based on a graphic novel. It's like watching a graphic novel. Yeah, it has that Sin City feel a little bit. Yeah. And like just everything, the like Charlize's performance, all the acting, the story, the action, the way it looks, like you said, the soundtrack. I'm not even a huge fan when films have a strictly pop-based soundtrack or, you know, popular soundtrack with artists on it. But I couldn't think of a film that fit that mold better than Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Like all of the, the 80s music matched this film perfectly. It really frames the time period and like the contrast between like the wild hot colors and the yeah. the gray kind of Iron Curtain <laughs> Russia yeah. look. You know what I mean? It was just like so dingy and so bright at the same time. Yeah. I love it. It has like this, it has a dark gritty vibe to it, but also this kind of punk essence to it. It's yeah. really just well done all around. And I don't know, I could watch this film over and over again. It never gets old for me. That's why when we decided to do it, I was like, hell yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Because I always, <laughs> I always find an opportunity to drop it somewhere. And yeah, I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, this is going to be on our uh, end of the year podium for best hot chick kicking ass movie. I think yeah. it's going to be really hard to <laughs> to outdo this. Birds of Prey and, and Anna were entertaining. This movie yeah. was absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah. And when I watched it the second time, I noticed a bunch of more stuff because not only is it beautiful and awesome to watch because of the action, the story's super, super intricate too. And yeah. I didn't get, I was paying really good attention. I didn't get all of it in the first go around. In the second yeah. go around, there's a bunch of things that I picked up on that I didn't catch the first time around. So, like, rewatch value is, is through the roof on this one. Yeah, it is a pretty layered story. Like, what you could basically call this, you know, this is like a child from the John Wick franchise. Like, some of the great people involved in the John Wick series, the John Wick franchise, this is like another one of their brain children, Atomic Blonde. Like, David Leach. He was a co-director on the first John Wick and a lot of the same stunt guys and the stunt team were brought over to Atomic Blonde. So there is kind of a continuity with that level of quality that you see in the John Wick franchise applied to this film, which is kind of, if you like John Wick, you're going to love this film. Like in some ways, I think this takes all of the best aspects of John Wick and puts it all into one film on top of getting like new characters with Charlize and the whole cast. So I know you and I talk, we were talking about it a little bit before, but uh, it'd be nice to get a crossover. Yeah, crossover. That's what's, that's the one thing that John Wick is kind of holding over this movie in terms of greatness is because John Wick so far is a trilogy and it's going to be more. So yeah, we need, if we can't get a crossover, you know, we can't be too greedy. <laughs> we, we definitely need a prequel or sequel to atomic blonde. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little surprised when this film came out, I don't remember there being a whole lot of buzz about a sequel. Usually when a film does well, 
the talk comes out immediately. It's like, oh, studio greenlit a sequel or directors in talks for a sequel. But I don't remember any of that going on when this film came out. I think everyone was just really happy with how they ended it. But if they were to announce a sequel to this film, like sign me up right away. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like John Wick 2 came out, what, five months, six months before Atomic Blonde the same year. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, oh, man, it would be... I did read an article talking... Uh, with, they interviewed uh, the director, David Leach, talking about crossovers. Yeah. And it was on uh, TrailerAddict.com. Mm-hmm. And he talks about making, you know, the difficulty of, of making a crossover with these two characters would be the timelines, because one's right. at the, you know, late 80s, the other one's mm-hmm. present. But... I'm sure these people are creative enough to make those timelines meet up. It doesn't have to be that crazy. Go back in Wick's career and fast forward a bit in uh, Lorraine's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And boom, they meet up in 1998 or something. Yeah. And then another great little branch of a film that we already talked about is Extraction. Uh, Sam Hargrave. Yeah, He worked on this film. Yeah, it's like this uh, pyramid like this... of ultimate action movies that's getting built up. Yeah, it's this like small, tight-knit community within the action genre. But yeah, he served as the stunt coordinator and the second unit director on Atomic Blonde. And as I was watching the film with the commentary, uh, Leach makes a, a little comment after the hallway scene or the staircase scene, and he's like, Sam Hargrave did such a good job as at second unit he's going to have like a great career as a director one day and extraction. You and I both really liked that film. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. And this movie was, was awesome too. And I I just want more of it. Yeah. It's like, just give me, just keep cranking them out. (laughs) (laughs) They're so good. Like this is totally my genre. Like this is what I like in movies more than anything. I like horror movies a lot, but Mm -hmm. Really good action is is what I'm, my favorite. Yeah, I like I'm, this I'm, way or a really good comedy. But but yeah, let's jump into the story a little bit. Did you like the way uh, the story was structured in terms of it kind of being told? You get the kind of the background of uh, the agent that goes down that Sam Hargrave plays, James uh, Gascon, and he gets killed, and it kind of throws you into what the story centered on. And then it's kind of told from a, like a flashback perspective with uh, Charlie Theron's character, Lorraine being almost like questioned slash interrogated by her own agency. And yeah. she's recalling the events. Did you like that? Yeah. It's, it's similar to, I guess like what Irishman is. It's like two timelines. Yeah. She's the narrator of her own story kind of thing. Right. And I liked it because you know, there's obviously spoilers on this one because the movie's three years old. But <laughs> I liked how you don't really have a clue the first, at least I didn't, the first time watching the movie, you don't really have a clue that Goodman is kind of in on the whole thing. Yeah. When they're in the interview room. Right. You know? He's kind of there, like, consulting, right? Yeah. And I love that she's all beat to shit in Oh, there. yeah, her introduction. Yeah. She's like all beat up, you know, from getting she because it happens like right after she gets back, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I I like the timeline. You know, I feel like it didn't. Uh, it gave mad clues like any kind of spy movie does throughout the whole thing. Yeah, but it worked for me. Like, let's go back to that opening scene, that introduction scene of Lorraine when you're kind of zooming in on her and she's looking in the mirror and you're checking out all the bruises and cuts and gashes she has. Did you get a sense of what you were in for just from that opening scene with the film? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, that's something I enjoy in movies when the hero yeah. gets beat down. And she, right from the beginning, she's taking like an insane ice bath. And yeah. I can't remember exactly what music's playing, but I think it's like like Bowie or something right in the beginning. Something like that, yeah. And the music doesn't really fit like the mood. <laughs> you know, you would expect some dramatic, sad orchestral yeah. music or something like that, but it's like this poppy 80s <laughs> yeah. going on. And I yeah, love that it, she has the bloodshot eye, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. They did a really good job with uh, her injuries. Yeah, absolutely. In this movie. Extremely like consistent. Everything, even even the, the costumes, like her outfits, all of the outfits of the extras and other people on camera, they just did a really good job from top to bottom. It all fit that era. Like I believed I was in Berlin in 1989, even though it was a year after I was born. I have no idea. But Yeah, that hotel she was in was pretty snappy. A lot of yeah. uh, neon lights in her hotel room. Yeah, and actually that scene where she walks out of she gets out of the hotel room and she's walking to the agency building. Okay. In London. That was actually filmed in Budapest. And I I found that out through the commentary. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah, oh that sorry. Her one her hotel room in when she's back in England is yeah, the very isn't beginning all hot of the film. Pink. The one in Berlin is. No, but even inside the hotel room, like it has that really cold blue tint to everything in the the bathroom that she's in. Yeah. I love like every color choice they have in this film. I totally dig. Yeah, it's extremely pleasing to watch. Yeah. And the story is it's one of those movies where it's like it's totally been done before, like the, the And it's still the being done. And it's still being done. <laughs> Anna that we just watched, you know, which was yeah. just like this. Right. But they I thought they did a really good job of of making it Twisted, but not so twisted where you can't follow it. Yeah. And, and the characters that all the twists are built into, I think, mm-hmm. is what I really enjoyed. Like McAvoy's character, Percival. Yeah, like, if you compare the twists in this film to Anna, I feel like they, they did, they played the twist game the way you're supposed to play it in this film, in Atomic Blonde. Like, they don't overdo it. They don't do it every two scenes. When it happens, it's not like the craziest twist ever, but you believe it, and you're you're actually surprised by it when it happens. But when Anna was playing, like, I was just waiting for a twist to happen because it kind of the way they they did it beat by beat almost. And that's what I wanted to ask you too, just real quick: is how did this film does it change your opinion at all of Anna, or does it make you see Anna in a different light after seeing Atomic Blonde, considering uh. that this came out first? Um, it makes me, I probably wouldn't, I mean, I, I didn't like love Anna. Like I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, you know, another hot chick kicking ass, but I probably would have, uh, drilled into the director of that movie a little more <laughs> after seeing this. 
<laughs> and it's like he was probably up one night drinking and saw this and was like, oh yeah, that's I'm gonna make that movie and just <laughs> and just put her on the Russian side this time. He's like, have you seen that Atomic Blonde movie? Let's do that. Yeah, let's just do that. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't want to shit on Anna too much. It's not. It's nowhere near as good as this one. Neither on all levels, you know, music, acting, freaking action cinematography this movie kind of outdoes it on every level yeah but i mean i i I think you and i both appreciate anna for what it is totally and we could i think you could easily say that film doesn't happen without atomic blonde yeah it's uh, yeah okay i can see that yeah i i just it when you have a good film like this it inspires a lot of other people to kind of get into the genre which i'm totally all for but yeah it's it's great and i think we're living in an age right now where action like horror is at a really high level, and I think action now with the John Wick franchise is elevating action films to a, a respectable kind of medium now in the genre. Yeah, I think uh, to be quite honest, they might be blowing past dramatic movies. Yeah, <laughs> like I least... I enjoy these way more than like yeah. a, like a you know a really powerful dramatic film. Sure. Yeah, no, there's a lot to be said about that, too. I mean... They definitely need a category in the Oscars. The, well, all like these movies just, are too good not to be winning awards. Yeah. Like, we just talked about Knives Out, and we both agree that film was extremely well made. But I think I, I think we would both agree that Atomic Blonde is much more entertaining. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, not to jab anyone, but... Like you said, it's it's nice when a film can be entertaining and also well made with visuals and acting and stunt work and direction. It's it's not as common as you would think, but I feel like John Wick and Atomic Blonde, this kind of this group of action filmmakers are really changing the game, and it's really refreshing to see. And I want more, man. I yeah. will I will pay. I'm actually I saw John Wick theor- three in the theater. Because I hadn't seen, I saw the first two just, you know, Buddy had them on a computer and I watched them. Yeah. And then I saw John Wick 3 in the theater. And I'm I'm really, any of the names that are attached to this, this uh, you know, circle of films. Right. I'm going to go see in the theater. They're just too <laughs> yeah. damn good not to be watching in the theater. Yeah, could you... <laughs> Did you uh, could you imagine watching this film like an IMAX? <laughs> oh, it'd be so awesome. Yeah. Like I was lucky enough to see it in the theater when it came out. I didn't watch it in IMAX or anything. But I saw it and I was like blown away. It says it Visually. made 100 million dollars. Yeah, that's wor- worldwide. That seems like pretty good, right? Yeah. And their budget for this film was pretty low, too. David Leach was saying something about the biggest visual effects shot they had in the whole film was that drone shot of the protests over the city where you see the crowds and mobs of people. Yeah. Like real high up. That was the one visual effects shot they had. Really? Like the, the biggest one. Yeah. Some of the, well, they did crash all those cars, didn't they? Yeah. Cause those are pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they have some CG mixed in there, but for the most part, that looks like practical. Yeah, there's only I can only think of like one shot where I was like, "Oh, that one wasn't that great." And it's like the opening action when uh 
Hargrave's character gets hit by the car. Yeah, and he kind of does the CGI, like, he gets hit and flies. Yeah, like he got yeah. pulled by a cable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's the only one in the whole movie that, that I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of framed it. I was like, oh, shit, you know. And that whole first first part of the movie has a very uh, Sin City look to it. Like yes, the sun's yeah. going down. Mm-hmm. on the west side of the river and they did the freaking geography correctly thank you yeah um <laughs> <laughs> and uh know your cardinal directions yeah <laughs> el Tato appreciates it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm not seeing any like awards on the old uh the old wiki page no i don't think it, it won any awards to be honest it These should films usually usually don't unfortunately best soundtrack at least yeah this oh man we will definitely get into the soundtrack don't okay worry. let me ask you a bit about the general plot of this film so this is a plot it's not very original because it's been in several films that i've seen including a james bond film but basically you have a list of spies or agents the that panama gets, papers yeah you it gets that. compromised right and they're trying to recover that because the lives of all kinds of undercover agents is in jeopardy. Isn't that the plot of Anna too? Um, no. Or am I remembering something different? No, she's just an assassin, right? Yeah, that's right. But doesn't she get a hold of something? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It was like four weeks ago, dude. Obviously, we didn't go back and rewatch it. <laughs> But yeah, I know that's like that's a critical plot point in one of the Craig Bond movies, Skyfall. But yeah, what did you did you think that 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 kind of plot central plot line worked in this film? Was it did it keep it interesting for you? Yeah, yeah, I I was pretty into it. You know, they everybody's kind of and and you know, if you if you listen to a lot of uh James McAvoy's lines in the movie, yeah. He kind of tells that gives the whole plot away, you know, like what side is anyone on? It's all just about either money or saving your own ass. Yeah. All those kinds of really poetic lines that he has in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's like a classic example. Like if you take a story that's been done a million times and you don't do it well, yeah. then it sucks. But if you take something that's been done a million times and you do it great then everyone loves it because it's familiar it's easy to follow yeah so it's one of those you know classic movies like we're gonna make la femme nikita you know that that's what the that's what the pitch yeah. was we're gonna make la femme nikita and the guy's like oh okay well are you gonna do it really good or bad and this one is really good yeah that's a great point i mean you're we're kind of dancing around it, but we're talking about the MacGuffin. So like the MacGuffin is, you know, the the thing that whoever's in the film or the story they're searching for, they're looking for. It's like the the thing that drives the plot. So in this film, it's that list in Skyfall. It's the list. It's um, and both films do that storyline really, really well. At some point, we'll we'll try and do a a Daniel Craig Bond film. Yeah, well, let's maybe do when it. Maybe the new one comes out. Well, let's build up to it, right? We don't know when yeah. it's going to come out. They're definitely holding it till till theaters are open. So let's work it in in the next few months. Yeah. So that like way, if, when I see it, I have a little more context. 
Yeah, and then to sell you on those films too, real quick, like, well, totally side tangent, but if you had to situate these new James Bond films, if they're in terms of if they were closer to the classic Bond or closer to like a John Wick, I'd say these Craig films are closer to a John Wick. Well, that's good because I'm not really an old Bond guy either. Like, I, yeah. I'm not that into any of them. Right. I've probably watched, like, like my closest reference to all the Bond movies is just uh, Austin Powers movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've probably watched <laughs> those way more than any yeah. of the Bond movies. Yeah, you've seen all the Bond films if you watched Austin Powers. And I, like, played the video game and stuff, but I don't remember the movies ever being, like, that awesome. Or me being that into them, I guess. I shouldn't say they weren't <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. We'll do one. We'll do one. How many are there? The Craig ones? Yeah. Let's see. There's Casino like Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall. Uh, what's the second Sam Mendes? There's another Bond film that Sam Mendes did. And then, so there's going to be five. Okay. The fifth one is on the way. All right. Yeah, we'll do that. Spectre. That was the, the fourth one. Back to Atomic Blonde, though. Let's talk a little bit about the Cold War setting. Like, Okay. So this film takes place... What a few days before the fall of the wall? Yeah, right. The the Reagan speech is contemporaneous with when the story takes place, right? Yeah, and I love I love that element of the film where she's in her hotel room and she constantly has the event going on on her TV. So you get a good sense of the backdrop of the whole setting. I yeah. thought that was really well done. It's kind of on in the background in a bunch of the movie, right? Yeah. This takes place like during a week. Right when the wall came down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I um, thought that was really cool. That's not really uh, our generation-wise. That stuff happened when we were little, little kids, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, four, four, three, four years old when that happened. So it's not really in our cultural frame. Right. So it was interesting to see that and to see kind of like the Generation X crowd. Mm-hmm. yeah in in that time period in that part of the world when they're all going nuts yeah i really enjoyed it and the and the contrast between both sides of the wall is great did you you think they portrayed that pretty well well i thought where they really shined through was the scene where uh lorraine meets skarsgård kersfield John Goodman's character, when they meet at the little platform that looks over the wall. Oh, okay, okay. Before she actually crosses over. Yeah, and one side's like a free yeah, kind of normal city, and the other side's got anti-tanks, and he, he rattles off all the military statistics that are right on the other side of the wall. Yeah. Because it was basically like a, a front, you know? That's what it was. It was a, a front in a, a war that wasn't being fought actively like it's weird yeah it's a really interesting period because you think of like say 1917 they got this the western front it's pushing back and forth you know seesawing all over western europe and this line is like just permanent and there's no fighting going on but both sides are two different worlds i thought it was extremely interesting I think that's why we get so many stories in this period, too, because that whole espionage angle to the Cold War in that era is always, there's always something super interesting about it. And this is like, there's a, you can list all kinds of films that take place in the genre set during this time. Like I just, I mentioned before we started, The Saint. <laughs> like our 
that's a kind of a the movie sweet. Yeah, we both like that film. And again, it's it's something about I mentioned this in our Anna podcast, but I, something about that era and the way it's shot and the way they portray like this cold, dark atmosphere, you know, with Russia and whoever they got on there, the Americans, the British, wherever it's taking place. There's something, some kind of continuity there that I just really like. And you definitely see that in Atomic Blonde. Yeah. You definitely get that gray, cold vibe going on whenever the east side of, of things gets put on the screen, at least. Maybe not so much on the western side, but I guess you get a lot more neon on the west side <laughs> of the wall. Yeah, you get a lot more party action. But like, what I found interesting was it portrays the Germans living on the east side of the wall. Yeah. As as being, you know, living under an occupation, essentially. And right. did you catch in the scene where the, the big Russian dude, the main guy, when he comes in and they shake down all the young kids for like breakdancing and partying and shit? Yeah. Did you that catch That was on the east side, right? Yeah, did you and he okay. says like, oh fucking East Germany's, you know, brightest and Yeah. Youngest or, or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. And did you catch in that part? Where he's speaking, he's switching between Russian and German. Yeah, I did. While catch he's that. speaking to him, then like the authoritative things he's saying is yeah. in Russian. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting little, little flair to the movie. Yeah, and if how they really Bummer. portrayed the East, East Germans as living, you know, under occupation, which they were, but yeah, between it's it's difficult to think about something like that between a city, you know, a line right down the middle of a city. Yeah, like literally two different worlds going on. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. You've been down to the Mexican border. I guess it's the same thing. I don't know. I mean, Mexico is not, not communist Russia by any means. I didn't. I don't mean that. <laughs> but I guess I, I mean just seeing the, the wall going through. Sure. Down in, uh, what is it? Chula Vista or whatever, which is right on the border. Yeah, Chula Vista. Yeah. And then I've seen it in like Mexicali too. Mm-hmm. Or Calexico, I guess. I was on both sides. But yeah, it's 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 a cool era. It's a really cool era because it's like the it's like the genesis of the super modern age as well. Which I liked yeah. about the movie yeah, yeah. was all the technology they had was like pretty cool. It yeah. wasn't outdated or it wasn't um it was period. It was the right kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. With the bugs and whatnot and the you know, cassette tapes and Yeah. I did enjoy that. I didn't see a a smartphone. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the random uh, lady walking over the bridge doesn't have a cell phone in her pocket. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to that scene, though, with the shakedown and the the punk kids. I think that's the first... We do get some violence in the beginning of the film with Sam Hargrave's character, but I think this is the first scene where we get some real hardcore, like, violent stuff going on on screen and it's it is really it sets the tone for that character i think that villain when he just totally smashes the kid in the face with a skateboard and he's just clobbered and then beat to hell yeah that was pretty brutal and i figured you that's the kind of i know you're into the real brutal in your face action like that so that scene all the violence is really good except for the initial hit like the initial hit with the skateboard, you can tell is like, you know, kind of 
done because they oh. cut like right at impact. Oh, okay. but then when he's on the ground, he's like laying and beating him up. But yeah, it lays the groundwork for like this isn't going to be, it's not going to be pretty, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, and the opening scene with how beat up Charlize is, like yeah, you know it's going to be violent. And there was only a few scenes in the whole movie, action wise, where I was like, okay, that looks like a stunt. But almost all of it looks extremely real. And yeah. Yeah, I absolutely loved it, dude. I, I like that <laughs> scene a lot for some reason. And maybe it's because he turns the music on. Like there's yeah. he turns the music on the boom box, you know, and makes it's the kid super dance tense. more. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really tense. tense scene. Yeah, you're you're generally like un I'm definitely uneasy when you're watching that. One thing I want to talk about too, real quick with this story is I do get a sense that this has like that mystery element to it as well. Like you're following Lorraine through the story and she's kind of picking up the pieces when she ultimately comes to the realization that Percival is pretty much behind like everything that, that happened to her. Yeah. And I like how you get to follow her through that journey. And like in terms of the detective aspect of the story, you don't get that a whole lot in the genre, I don't think. And I thought that was kind of cool. It's, it's like a nice little mixture of detective and like film noir mixed in with the John Wick action. Yeah. And that all fits the look of the film too. Cause you get a lot of like, are you familiar with film noir at all? Like it's those old black and white films you get that are real atmospheric with the like, yeah, I'm familiar. I don't have, yeah, yeah. I know what the you femme mean. Fatales. Almost like a like, Dick Tracy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I get, I got a lot of that vibe in this movie too. And I really like that genre. So I think that's another reason why I'm so drawn to this film is you definitely get that a bit in story and visually. Like it's really, it's almost like a detective story too. Yeah, it keeps you, you know, besides the action, it keeps you completely into it because, and like just totally invested because you want to catch all the little tips right? as you're going through it. And there's a lot of them. There's way more than I thought there was when I watched it the second time. And I just think the having two, the two main characters, Charlize and James McAvoy, mm -hmm. both like when you have actors of that caliber playing the both sides of the spy coin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. There's no way not to love it. Yeah. They're, they're both fantastic in it. And she is so badass and smart. And so is he. Yeah. And he's just kind of like at the end of his rope in terms of that, that life that he's living. Yeah, and they well, even say that too. He's like kind of rogue in the sense that he's totally disconnected. Yeah, and she's just like still doing her job to the fullest, you know? Yeah. It's 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 really good. <laughs> you know, and then you find do we give away the big, big reveal? Let's talk a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, let's well, not. Right. If, yeah, well, if, if nobody's seen it. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk it. about it generally, though. Were you satisfied with how, where the story ended up? Yes, because it leaves the door wide open for a sequel, man. Like, that's all okay. I want. And I'm talking about the very, very last twist of the film. Yeah. Did you? I didn't you... see it coming. OK, that's what I wanted to ask. Yeah. It caught me off guard. That's great. So bravo. It's hard to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually pretty clued in. Yeah, you're really good about that. 
And the second Sweet. time when I watch it, I should have caught it. But I will I will give credit. I didn't I didn't catch on. <laughs> All right, sweet. And it's and that's awesome. Total bravo. All right, cool. That's awesome. All right, we won't say anything more about it. But um, the resolution of the movie leaves it so there can be more, and I want more so bad. Absolutely. <laughs> so bad. All right, well let's let's talk about the star of this film. Let's talk about Charlize Theron. Man. This is the caliber of actress Charlize Theron is. Someone that's, she's good at, we know she's a great actress, but during the commentary of this film, David Leach just would not stop talking about how dedicated she was with the stunt work. Like, if I'm not mistaken, because he was talking during that whole stairwell fight. Yeah. That's all her. The person being thrown and flipped onto tables being busted and stuff, that's Charlize. Really? Yeah. And he said she would just bring it and bring it and would get up and do it over and over again. I love that she like is screaming and like wildly exhausted that fight scene. <laughs> it's you know it's it's like I a long that. it's a long cut. It's a long cut that you don't have a lot of suspense building into it and it yeah. just starts and then it's like what? 7 8 minutes yeah, of hardcore 10. fighting and her and the guy who looks like uh, Robert Downey, like a bigger, like a steroided out Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. His character. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy with like the bleached yeah. hair. Like when they are battling in the apartment and they're back and forth in each other and they're both mm-hmm. so beat up and so exhausted. I just, I just, it had a really, really realistic action vibe. Is really gritty from like an exhaustion standpoint. Yeah, because that scene is so long, and the whole stairwell thing, like getting thrown down the stairs, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's so well done, and it's done like a long cut John Wick style. Yeah, action, but it's obviously there's cuts in there, like when they go close up on the backs, and and then they rotate the room and whatnot, mm-hmm. walk down the stairs and pan back up. Like those have to be where the cuts are, but yeah. it's done so well. Okay, I think this guy is Bakhtin. I think that's the one that she's fighting. Johannes is is the actor's name. But I think what helps set the stakes for that huge fight is that they have a bit of a brawl before that in the theater. Yeah, she sticks and, the key in his face. Yeah, and you get a sense of just how much of a juggernaut that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's holding her up by the throat, right? Like choking her out. Yeah. And she's yeah, she's like sticking shit into his cheek. Like and he's just he does not care. And he's like fighting for a good 30, 40 seconds before he even does anything with that in his <laughs> cheek. So yeah, you, you totally buy that by the end of that second fight, they're extremely exhausted. Yeah, and you, you buy that you buy that she's a woman in the fight. You know what I mean? Like yeah, her yeah, yeah, she yeah. is super pow- powerful and and trained, mm-hmm. but it's not un- unbelievable because she's getting she has like manhandled too, like yeah, tossed around and skill stuff. set. Yeah, exactly. It's precision. It's not power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, and I just she. I mean, if she did a bunch of these action scenes herself, which it sounds like, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, just on top of the you know the completely drop dead model, gorgeous 
face. Yeah. She's an extremely talented Oscar winning actor. And then she's doing action at this level. Like, yeah, she just needs like a, a freaking award for awesome. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking awesome. Charlize. Yeah. Oh man. So we could gush about her all day long. Um, this, this cast list is extensive. Like it's, it's loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, let's let's I mean, jam down it. James McAvoy, he's like the other lead character. He's good in everything. He's Yeah. I was thinking about it and I don't know if I've seen a lot of movies with him in it. I know I've yeah, he, seen him on like the talk show circuits and everything I've seen him do I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the first movie where I was like, Man, he's he is so awesome. He's really good. He's great as uh Professor X in the X Men films. Okay. He plays like a younger version of Professor X, but he's been in so many good films. You, like you know what you're going to get with him. And I like the character he he helped build for this like with the shaved head and that carefree attitude going on. Yeah. On top of like selling the espionage and the backstabbing, he's perfect in this role. Yeah, he's he's like his whole like basically at one point of the movie once everything is kind of basically after the plan to get uh, Eddie Marson's character across Spyglass, yeah. the plan to get mm-hmm. him and his family across goes haywire. From that yeah. move point on, it's almost like every line that he has is straight poetry. Yeah, in the rest yeah, of yeah, the yeah. movie, like his whole final speech and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I I really enjoyed him. I enjoyed there was okay. I'll put it this way: there wasn't anybody I didn't like. Yeah, I mean, everyone in here is so good. Like, Eddie Marzen, just real quick, he's been in a bunch of great, like, English shows. I've seen him in a lot of English TV. He was in, like, the Sherlock films with uh, Robert Downey Jr. He plays uh, Inspector, what is his name, Lestrange in the Sherlock Holmes films. I haven't seen any of those. Yeah, he's really good in there, and he plays a totally different character in this film. He's, like, more of a timid kind of like nerdy character in this movie and then in the in the Sherlock Holmes films he's a lot more badass and like rough cut. Nice. So it was like awesome to see him in here. Uh Toby Jones who plays Eric Gray, he's like one of the English Yeah. agent guys like he's he's been in the Marvel films and you totally he looks like he's out of a James Bond film in this. Yeah, he everybody fits really well. Obviously John Goodman, like I'll watch anything with John Goodman in it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Mount and Rushmore he, guy right there, in yeah, my opinion. He, he plays, like, the perfect CIA American in this period. <laughs> like, he, oh, man, so good. Um, we got to give a shout-out to uh, Roland Moeller. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, this is the, uh, the the main bad guy, right? The yeah, main bad? he plays Bremovich. Right. Okay, yeah, he's... I buy the the savage, like, menacing aspect of him totally believable uh sophia batella she was like huge during this period of films like she did star trek she did the mummy she did this film the mummy she was in kingsman yeah she's just she's been in a whole bunch of different films but there was a period of time like in a span of five years where she was one of the hottest names well she's like the hottest actresses yeah i guess i've seen kingsman but i don't i don't remember i guess i don't remember it I remember her in it. I just remember like that freaking church f- 
scene where he goes crazy and kills fucking everyone in the whole place. Yeah. <laughs> That's like all I remember from that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, she's awesome in this in this movie. And like the chemistry she has with she has with Charlize, I you buy that completely. They have oh, a chemistry yeah. going on like the dynamic of her being sort of the innocent new agent, new French agent and Charlize being a little bit more you know, weathered and having a lot more, I guess, experience in the field than she does. And you buy that kind of dynamic they have. And that's oh, one yeah, thing that sexy I... as fuck. Are you kidding me? There's like 14 yeah. year old boys beating off to this movie left and right. <laughs> I mean, besides <laughs> like, like t- take the hot factor out of it. I still buy that relationship. Like the way they sell it. It's so well done. Yeah. Uh, no, you. I still don't know if Charlize is just playing her or not. Like, yes, you kind of, you know that she, like, cared about her in yeah. some way or another, but still, for Charlize, like, everything's business, you know? Well, that's the thing I think about Lorraine, uh, Charlize's character that's so interesting is you. she has this very cold, disconnected side to her that I guess any agent has in this kind of film. But then I felt like Sophia Batella's character... Once she got in and made that connection with Lorraine, you get the the more nurturing, caring side of Lorraine, that she's the good guy. Like, she's going to do what needs to be done, but she's going to try and help people. Yeah. And I thought, like, Lorraine, that's brought out from Lorraine because of Delphine, uh, the character of Delphine, Sophia Batella's character. Yeah. And to I guess to even accentuate that more... David Leach had this whole motif going on in the film. It's a visual thing where if you look, a lot of her shots, um, Lorraine is looking into a mirror or her reflection is caught like on a table surface or on a mirror or a window pane. And he wanted, that was like a, a conscious decision. He wanted to show visually that she has like this dual side to her character. That's cool. And Yeah, now that the, you say that, I kind of... Like the motorcycle windshield. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of, okay, that's super cool, super deep. Yeah, and that was totally planned out too. There's So the, the scene where, spoilers, um, Delphine is choked out and she's dead. <laughs> By the way, Char- the, the knife in the back is a great part of the movie at that <laughs> yeah. part. When she st- stabs him like with trying the letter opener. It. Yeah, and he can't and he get can't it out. It. And he falls against the wall and sticks it in even farther. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. Sorry to, yeah. sorry to interrupt. It's, so, it's like it's so gritty and realistic. But yeah, that scene when, when Lorraine comes into the room and finds her body there and she knows that she's dead, there's a moment there where she's kind of on the ground for a little bit and she's just kind of taking it all in that, that Delphine's dead. If you look at the frame, she's literally split in two. Yeah, the, there's a mirror there. Yeah, I was gonna say like the, the the wall she's leaning up against is reflective, right? Yeah. So in the commentary, it's funny. On the day they were shooting that, and she was directed to get on the ground, she was like, "I don't understand why my character's on the ground." He's like, "No, it has nothing to do with your character's motivation or anything. It literally is just to pay off this motif that I've been painting throughout the whole film. <laughs> it's like I need to sell this like mirror duel thing with your character." She's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> so they, they shot it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic uh, symbolism, yeah. you know, because because totally. Delphine's character is like the only person to crack 
Lorraine's armor in any way. Yeah. And that's that completely shows her her one soft side because Delphine's laying there dead on the ground. That's yeah. very nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. The more times you watch, I want to watch it again now. It's like, okay, now I know <laughs> that that's, I actually want to watch the commentary stuff that you watched. Yeah, you wouldn't get bored. It's it's really cool. It's uh, David Leach and then the, the editor of the film. Um, they both sit down and talk about, they go through the whole film. So like when you pur- purchase it, it's one of the extras? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I'm going to purchase it, I think, because it was only yeah, like sure. 10 bucks, I think, to buy it or seven ninety nine or something, but it was only yeah, $3.99 Yeah, a lot of times it's on to sale, it. too. Like, I've seen it on sale for 4 bucks sometimes. But yeah, it's little little choices like that that are totally planned out, and they're really, really cool. But anyways, like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you caught a lot of those shots, though, with the, her reflection in a lot of different things. Yeah, I'd like they stand out in my memory, but it didn't it didn't click with me until you said it. Like as soon as you said it, it's like, Oh yeah, that's like sprinkled throughout every, every time you see Sophia, you know, she's, there's some type of around the corner window or, or something, you know? Right. She's pretty ninja too with her old camera. Yeah. Getting in close on, uh, old Percival and Bremovich. Well, she really like, she's the nail in the coffin in terms of, uh, Percival's, his association with the Russians. Like, Lorraine finds all her photos of him making the deals. Yeah, her camera was pretty badass. Yeah? Did you recognize specifically what it was? It was a, some type of dope Nikon. But Oh, okay, yeah. But, it was, I mean, it obviously wasn't digital, so that that fits. Cause they, there were cameras before digital? Because <laughs> she, <laughs> she's, like, developing the film in her, in her apartment. How dope What's are the f- apartments in Berlin, by the way? Oh, they dude, all look so badass. Yeah, <laughs> it's like these <laughs> it, dingy buildings from the outside. You go in, it's like these. It you looks know, like 12 a strip foot, club on the inside. Yeah, <laughs> twelve foot ceilings and rooms yeah, the, everywhere. The love couch and the neon, like yeah, it's so cool. I love neon in films when it's used well. Yeah, it's um. I don't know. It just gives this really cool atmosphere and it, it works so well in this movie. And I think, I think that's something visual too. That's just used to differentiate East and West is you get all the gray with the East and then you get all of the neon color on the West. Yeah. It's like a total, he took the whole mirror thing and applied that to the whole location too. Yeah. If you had to pick a favorite character, that aren't the two main characters, who would it have to be in the movie? Man, that's a really good question. I like, I mean, John Goodman's almost doesn't count either because I love him in anything. <laughs> I like, uh, I really like Sophia Batella in this movie. Okay. She brings that, that kind of innocence to a film that's totally uh, pessimistic and and, you know, all of the usual the usual feelings you get in an espionage film. Um, I, I like that she brings that that element of kind of innocence and naivete to a film like this. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say her. And then I also liked uh, Eddie Marsden as Spyglass. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I like and then we uh, got a... oh, his, sorry, go his line in the movie when he tells uh, Lorraine uh, she needs to work on her German. 
<laughs> that's like one of my favorite lines in the whole movie because it's like right at the not at the end but kind of like the bridge of the crazy action scene the yeah, crazy yeah. stairwell scene you know right <laughs> and uh he's he's shot and i'm bleeding out and he's still like he's such a proper educated yeah. man that he's right. telling her she needs to work on her german after she just Pointed a gun at two cops and told them to get on the ground. Like that was like my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, it, he's so good in anything that he's in. They did, yeah, hell of a job of casting. And then shout out to Bill Skarsgård, Pennywise. Yeah, as Merkel. This is like I'm sure this is one of his earlier roles, one of his first roles. Um, well, when and then did also, the first it come out? <sighs> Had to come out right around the same time as this. I saw it in 2017. I know that because I was on a job out in Blythe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This came out, yeah, 2017. Same year. Cool. Hey, maybe someone saw this film and was like, let's get that guy. And then Sam Hargrave, too. Shout out to Sam Hargrave. He's in the beginning of the film. Yeah, gets blasted. Another another one of our boys right there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I I guess uh, it's safe to say everyone did a pretty good job. Yeah, not one person didn't look the part by any means. Everyone fit really well. Let's get into one of my favorite parts of the whole film is how this thing looks. Yeah. And I think it's clear that they wanted to pay homage to the graphic novel because the way this thing is shot, it is gorgeous. It looks like it's coming off the page of a graphic novel. I mean, for me, it's it's not only the colors and the neon and also the gray aspect of East Berlin, but... The cinematography, there's some really interesting shots in this film. And I, I do have a, a few favorites, but I think you had mentioned that you, you really liked a few shots specifically in the film that you were telling me a bit about. Yeah, I really love the shots where the camera starts out upside down. Yeah. And then completely rotates 180 mm-hmm. degrees, you know, vertically. Yeah. And uh, they did a li- Did you know? I, I just really loved the camera work in this movie because there's like you can see a little bit of what some of the stuff they did in extraction right like the coming out uh, from the street into the car mm-hmm. that did you notice that's in yeah. this movie a few times yep, i yep. like caught it i was like oh they do that in that movie like, yeah that's that's so cool and <laughs> i really liked how the long cut action scenes were well that was an extraction very mobile yeah, they did the same thing in Extraction. They do it in this movie a few times. Okay, so that would make sense because if that was second unit, which I'm guessing was second unit in Atomic Blonde, Sam Hargrave was directing second unit in Atomic Blonde. So he's probably like, I know a trick. <laughs> yeah, and they do it multiple times in the movie, the whole upside down to right side up twist yeah. while it's panning out. Right. I, I love that. And there's so many like iconic shots of her in the hotel room in West Berlin. Yeah. Like every one of those frames can be just mm-hmm. like a poster. Yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful, you know? Yeah, take our money. Give us all the posters. Anytime um Charlize is lit up with a close up shot and you get the reaction on her face, whether she's in the hotel room or outside, and you get the blue or purples of the neon I love that. Yeah. There's something very film noir about that. It's it's just so beautiful to watch. I don't think there's a bad shot in this film. 
It's like every shot is meant to look gorgeous. Yeah, and you had to call it Atomic Blonde because her hair is just like a, a freaking lighthouse in the whole <laughs> yeah. movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that contrast with the neon, it's just like straight out of a like video game, you know? Yeah. Or a, like a graphic novel. It, it, it's, the, it's like a graphic novel in the best sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you know how some of Sin City feels like a cartoon? Some of it does a little right, bit. Right, right, right. Yeah. There's no vibe in, in this movie like that at all. Yeah. Like, it feels like it's a drawing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd also say that Sin City 2, that's based on the graphic novel, and I think they took that a little more literally. Yeah, right. Whereas this one is a lot more, like, realistic, but you still get that that vibe of it being born out of a comic book. It's really, really cool to look at. I'm trying to think here, some of the uh, like the big action stunt pieces, like we talked about the the hallway scene or the the staircase scene a bit, but um, one of the parts of the film that I really liked was when they're setting up their. It's towards the end, and it's before they get into the hallway or the staircase. But the sniper, the Russian sniper, is getting set up, and he's okay. getting ready to shoot them in the crowd of protesters and then all the umbrellas come up yeah that's a cool scene (laughs) it was so cool yeah it was like a a very um very clever you know plan on the part of uh what's his name merkel yeah and as far as i know oh so i got a question is he merkel is kind of a double agent too correct correct um, I'll just say this. I, He's around in the end of the movie. Yeah. The last scene. Oh, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. He's in, he's in on something. Yeah, visually when they do that, because they shot that probably on a cable or something between those two buildings, right? Yeah. Because the camera like pans across the street when everything mm-hmm. goes up. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was really well done. And as far as I know, all those people were real. Those were all extras. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, and I think he, what I mentioned before we got on is uh, their biggest visual effects shot wasn't even like a car explosion or a street chase. It was the overview shot of all the protests going on in the city mm. right before that scene. Yeah. And they were like, that was all we could afford to do. So we had to be smart with how we used our visual effects money. <laughs> <laughs> My... I, my, what was your favorite? If you had to pick a favorite scene or sequence, because a lot of the the movies chunked out into long sequences, what would it be? Because I yeah. I have one that's not. I guess. Well, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, I mean, obviously the big, the main one is that that uh, staircase scene. But I I like the car work, all the car chase stuff towards the end. But for me, my favorite is when she first goes into the the Russian agent's apartment and she's scoping it out it's not the russians right it's what's his names the dude who kills um i thought it was uh gascoigne's apartment uh i i think it is gascoigne's apartment yeah okay but anyway that's that's the scene i was gonna say too yeah or sequence for for me and it's real specific too i like the way she fights with a freaking hose (laughs) Like, she's totally using the hose to <laughs> wrangle people up and, like, take them down. And I thought that was so cool. 
Yeah, what I really liked about that scene is one, the music. She runs into the apartment and turns on George Michael. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> blaring. And it's yeah. so so good. <laughs> and I love I love how they change the volume of sound when in these action scenes. Yeah. Like if a big boom would happen, like she would her hearing would go out and the music would be all low in the background and then come fade back in. Or when she goes oh, yeah. outside of the apartment, the music is you could tell it's playing in the room next next to it. Sure. Yeah, like yeah. that stuff was so accurate. But what I loved about that scene the most is like that's the first long cut action in the movie. Yeah. It's like her mm-hmm. introduction as a total right. badass. And they play up the fact that those dudes, those just regular cops that are coming after her, mm-hmm. are like, comp- she's just way more badass than all of them. And she yeah. doesn't take a lot of punishment in no. that action scene. She like fucks them up just to kind of <laughs> like demonstrate like she's a total badass. And then other, the, the stairway scene at the end of the movie, she's like facing much more, yeah, you know, accomplished opponents. Mm hmm. And just getting the shit kicked out of her, but oh, but that's like my favorite sequence in the movie. It's so good when she jumps out of the window, which is in the trailer and all that. Yeah, or jumps over the balcony and pulls the guy. Like, uh huh. So good. And, and the music, it's... dude. The music in that scene is just perfect. Oh yeah, we we can talk about that too. We'll get into that. Uh, just real quick though, you can um, with the car chase in this film. There's a very you can tell that. Sam Hargrave was influenced a lot by what went on in this film. Yeah. It, it has a lot of those really cool elements of the first person perspective in the car and like the claustrophobia going on in there. And then the way it ends with the total crash and the ultimate ending at the end. That's uh oh man, that was pretty brutal. And I like how they they closed off that scene. Yeah, and, and what's what's hard to or what's crazy to think about is the the crazy car chase scene, which is great and it has all kinds of three sixty elements inside a city, you know, yeah. with all kinds of right angles and turns and the cameras facing forward and backward. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But that comes immediately after the staircase scene. Like yeah. in long cut form. That's what's crazy. Yeah. Like obviously it's not all the same, but right the way it's portrayed is awesome like that shit i'd like i'd like to do like a little study where we wear uh heart rate monitors and watch the movie and get the data let's do it because that that scene has to have your heart rate pumping like you're jogging around the block or something oh man Let's do that. One of the, we'll we'll try and do that one of these days. I'll write an article. I have you, you, we can co-write one. I have uh one device that can do it. Yeah, a I can borrow monitor. a I can borrow someone's smartwatch over here. That's <laughs> that'd be really cool. The smartwatches do it? I think so, yeah. Sweet. So yeah, we've been dancing around it all this time, but uh the music in this film is <laughs> is awesome. It's the best score whatever you want to call it soundtrack of any movie we've done and i'm not like a super 80s fan in terms like those are my songs oh anything because that's like right before i started Mm -hmm. getting into music as a little kid yeah i'm more like a 90s 
grungy, yeah. I guess. Those was like the first music I was into. Yeah. But it fits so well. And, and it's not just the fact that it's like 80s music in an 80s time period. It's the way they use the music. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it, it changes volumes multiple times. The same song come up multiple times in the movie because they're listening to recordings. Yeah. You know, did you catch that? Like when, when yeah. McAvoy's listening to, to the bug that he placed on Lorraine and mm-hmm. when she's listening to the bug, you know, that was placed on him. Yeah. Like you can, or it moves from, from soundtrack to diegetic. Like you hear it coming from. Yeah, exactly. Headphones. It's yeah. cause that's what happened at that point in the movie. Right. Like so many little touches like that. It would be so easy to miss that in editing, you know, because yeah. like, okay, I'll put it this way. The soundtrack in the, in the movie is like really going on in the actor's ears at that point in time. It's present, you know? Yeah. It's not just like they're playing it for the movie. It's right. part of the movie. Yeah, the boombox and the stereo systems and then all the radio list. Like, it's so cool. That's what they call diegetic sound in in a film. So anything that's being played that the characters can hear. Um, So, yeah, that's really cool. Well, it's almost like the whole movie's like that. Yeah. And um, that was a conscious decision. Like, uh, David Leach was saying that his vision for this film, he really wanted to make it almost like a long-form music video. Yeah, they get the and, Kurt Loder MTV nod in there. Yeah, and you really get that vibe. He even said that uh, when they would shoot, they'd have the song playing on set for the characters, for the actors on set to interact with. So that whole sequence with uh, the Clash playing, London Calling, yeah, when she's walking to the building, they had that blasting during filming so that her strut could go along to the sound of the really? music. Really? Yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> awesome. It's so like... Her steps were in t- in sequence with the song. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. Little things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it certainly stands out. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I'm not a, the biggest fan of '80s music. Like I I enjoy it, but I feel like every time I turn on the damn radio, it's like '80s hour or it's like '80s weekend. Like it gets so overplayed, and I get over it really fast. This film just makes you appreciate all of that music all over again. Yeah, it has it captures the culture of the time way more yeah. when you hear an 80s song mm-hmm. and you're driving through Los Angeles or something like it doesn't really jive. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how there's no like there's no genre favoritism. They yeah. they play all kinds of different music from the era. It's yeah. really really well done. Do you think um all of the news cast that you're hearing are from that era? Like the actual oh, live would, news that's going on? Yeah, I would imagine so. It I seems think, like they just took footage of maybe even that day. Yeah. It's and, very cool. Yeah, so well done. It's like you have to really appreciate the attention to detail doing a period piece like this, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. I absolutely loved it. I loved it more than... it's It, it affected me more than any movie I've ever seen in my life from a music standpoint. Yeah. Like, I, I think I probably like this, like, not like I would buy the soundtrack, but in terms of matching a tone mm-hmm. and a vibe of a movie, I think I like this more than any movie I can think of. And I thought the perfect little bow at the end to wrap everything up is ending the film with Under Pressure. Mm-hmm. 
like Queen David Bowie. Like, come on. Yeah, every <laughs> dude. It's not just that though. It's like every <laughs> every song is yeah. so perfect with what's going on on screen in the whole movie. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I want to watch it again. I think we've we've gushed enough about love. Do you have anything you don't like about the movie? I don't like that we don't have a sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throw that out. But if if you yeah. have to, if no. I have to press you and and pick at one thing in the movie, what would it be? No, I honestly can't think of anything that I had a real gripe about in the film. I thought it was solid. I thought there weren't any major major glaring holes in the plot. At least from what I've seen, no, it's it sucks. I don't like to 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 say that about movies because there's no such thing as a perfect film. But I thought this film was really really well done. What about you? I love everything in the movie, but I the the first when uh, what's his name Gascoigne gets hit by the yeah. car, that one stunt I would have sure. liked a little better. Yeah. I think I maybe would, just smash his legs. He doesn't have to fly up, you know. Just go straight for the smash, smash legs. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, I mean, if that's your gripe of the film, I think but we're that's doing pretty it. good. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I loved absolutely everything else in the movie. That's awesome. But yeah, so would you recommend this film? Hell yeah! <laughs> go buy it. You're gonna watch it a bunch of times. It got me feeling like a, like a kid pumped up on a new band that i found or something oh yeah you know There's what i a mean bunch of bands that you rediscover you, you not not even just from the like i i want to <laughs> go listen to those bands i'm saying like the feeling you get when you find a new band and you yeah. want to go find their whole discography and listen to everything yeah but we only got one so let's go let's go david <laughs> can we please I'm get sh- two you don't have to cross it over with john wick just give us Atomic Blonde 2. Yeah, I'm sure if the studio gave him the green light, he'd be more than happy to do a sequel. Please? Um, <laughs> Please? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on. Throw us a bone. It's so good. Yeah, for me, I definitely say this is a film that that's worth buying. I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. This is, however, 10, 15 bucks well spent. And on top of that, you'll get all the cool bonus features. Yeah, and like see, that's that's what kind of sells me. It's like, yeah, it might go on Netflix or something someday. Yeah. But I really don't want to wait. I'm all jazzed right now. Like, I want more. I want to go watch YouTube videos of how they filmed it. I want to watch interviews, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll, I'll have that some of that stuff posted on the article for this movie, too. Sweet. That'll be on the, w- the website for Sunday. But, um, yeah, I know it has the, the full-length commentary. It has, like, three featurettes. And I think it even has like a storyboard breakdown of some of the action. Oh, so cool. it's, it's really worth the money, I think, to to purchase it. But yeah, I really love it. Obviously, you love it. And I'm glad that all of my gushing about this film wasn't all just talk. I'm glad you really liked it. No, it's awesome, dude. <laughs> it's right, the, so. the best hot chick kicking ass movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, sure. let's keep the theme going. We'll do another one next month. We'll try and come up with one. Red Sparrow. Okay. That's like the exact same <laughs> plot, isn't it? I don't know. I have no idea, but that one's we next. Could, we could talk about it when it comes up. Or but, a um, Wonder Woman or something. Yeah, we'll definitely have one for next month. But yeah, so let's hear uh, your score for this film. Um, 
I really want to give it a five, <laughs> but I'm gonna give it. I'll give it four and a half bong loads because I want a second one. Okay, that's why. Because I, I I want I'm a little left hanging. They gotta earn your five. I guess, but no, I really just <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Four and a half bong loads. I was smoking some Zerpel when I watched this. It was lovely. Sweet. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be buying it because it was awesome. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. I can rent um, it and buy it cheaper than the price that I paid to watch The Hunt. <laughs> so, much well, better thank deal. God, thank God The Hunt is in our rearview min- window. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I'm right there. I'm, I'm giving it a four and a half, too. It's, uh, I, I know I, I, there wasn't anything that I picked out specifically that I didn't like about it, but I'm also really weary on giving a film five stars unless it shakes my being. And I love this film and it's, it's everything I want in a film like this. It's entertaining, beautiful to look at. I want a sequel. So that's like, that's a compliment. Four and a half star, four and a half buckets of popcorn for me. That's, uh, that's what I'm giving it. Well, I'm sure plenty of men out there and women, this, shakes their being in some way or another this movie <laughs> shakes their core <laughs> sorry you just left that hanging out there yeah. i had to go for it sorry yeah just to address that it's an insanely sexy hot movie too it is yeah you know you can't get around that charlize is gorgeous it's an insanely sexy movie eye candy on multiple levels yeah every level yep ear candy too yeah sensual candy <laughs> that's, uh, that's the name of the article right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, seriously, every sense you can think of, it's like... Totally. I mean, we can't smell it, but I'm sure it smells fantastic. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah, dude, write that. We'll do that. <laughs> Atomic Blonde Sensual Candy. Atomic Blonde 2 Sensual Candy. But yeah, so that's... I mean, if you haven't noticed, we we just spent the last hour and plus minutes gushing about Atomic Blonde. So, see it if you haven't seen it. Seen it? I don't know where you've been. You can buy it. It's where the totally fuck have I the been? Money. Yeah, it's all right. It's all good. You saw it. You saw it two times. Yeah, I can't believe it took me three years. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Better late than never with these. Yeah. That's been episode 21 of the Buff and the Blazer podcast. Thanks so much for sticking with us and listening and hanging out with us. And we will catch you on the next one, guys. Take it easy, people.